This is episode five of Everyday Wellness, Mindset Matters, six ways to shift your mindset to lose weight and be happier. I'm Dr. Kelly Donahue, clinical health psychologist, here with my co-host, Cynthia Thurlow, functional nutritionist and nurse practitioner. Let's get started. Welcome to Everyday Wellness. Wellness is the result of the decisions that you make every day. It's your mindset and the thoughts you believe. Wellness is the food you put in your body and the relationship you have with yourself and others. Wellness is your work and meaning. Join us on Everyday Wellness as we explore ways that you can choose wellness today. Hello, hello. Today we are going to touch on mindset strategies and some of the science behind why this is such an important component of the work that we do with our own clients and patients, as well as, you know, just day to day existence, recognizing how important that mind body connection really is. Absolutely. And we've talked about mindset a lot on our podcast. And I talk about it routinely with my clients. But we wanted to break down mindset and help you to understand what mindset is and how you can use the principles and the science behind mindset to actually be healthier and happier. Who doesn't want that, right? Exactly, exactly. And you know, I have to be completely upfront that although I did part of my thesis (laughs) in some of this, um, I didn't really, really fervently believe in it until... I was probably 10 years into being a nurse practitioner. You know, that's the point where, you know, the fulcrum really hits where you've been doing it long enough that a lot of the work that you do is very intuitive with your patients. And all of a sudden I started to realize, I was like, wow, it's not that they want to be noncompliant. They just don't yet have their heads wrapped around all the changes they need to make and, and recognizing that, you know, once you get out of your way, people can have profound breakthroughs. Yeah. And sometimes it's about that getting out of your way is about doing less or undoing Mm -hmm. something rather than even doing something and undoing a certain way of thinking or uncovering a certain belief that's fueling a certain mindset can be the ticket that gets you to through that that difficult space or that gets you sticking with eating healthy foods or going to Mm -hmm. the gym regularly. Absolutely. It's amazing how that all transpires. And it's certainly something that we've really connected on. And, you know, I'm of the belief in the mindset that you need to be a lifelong learner. And so I always say you can Mm -hmm. teach an old dog new tricks, you know, now it's something that I I see in my clients, Um, you know, the profound changes, if they're really ready to make those changes, the profound action they can take as opposed to, you know, those people that are contemplating change and, you know, how you can kind of help support them. Right. Yeah. So I think we can start out by defining mindset and the most simplest definition is really just a setting of the mind. So mindset is a frame of mind from which we view the world and we view the world to simplify the potential number of millions and billions of options Mm -hmm. that are really out there. So it's our, our mindset is really our mind's way of simplifying things to make things doable. Because if we thought about all of the permutations and decisions that we could make every single day, it would be completely overwhelming. 
Oh, yeah. Well, and I, I think, you know, we've, we definitely have touched on this before when we're trying to, you know, find that elusive um, state of balance, uh, which we know is totally elusive, right. um, when we can compartmentalize and break things down and make it a little bit more tangible, uh, we'll have much greater success. And the research now is really catching up to what you had kind of intuitively known after being a nurse practitioner for several years is that mindset really plays a big role in health and well-being. And we both love science. We were trained in a science-heavy environment. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to talk about one of my favorite studies on mindset. So this study was conducted at Stanford University by Dr. Aliyah Crum. She's a psychologist there. And what they did was just, it was totally fascinating. So they went to um, hotels and they were talking to housekeepers and asking them about what they do on a daily basis. The first question they asked them was, do you exercise regularly? And they said, no. Well, I think any of us who have ever stayed at any hotel everywhere <laughs> has seen just how much work it is to clean a room and change the sheets and clean the bathroom and, and all of those things for eight to 10 to 12 hours a day. Mm -hmm. But the, the thing was, these housekeepers really didn't view themselves as getting any exercise. Mm -hmm. So what they did was they took all of the housekeepers from this hotel together, um, and then they broke them into two groups. The first group was just kind of business as usual. The second group, um, they told the housekeepers that they were actually getting a lot of exercise that by doing all of these normal daily activities that are part of their occupation, that it was benefiting their health. They were getting a lot of steps in, they were lifting heavy objects, and that was equal to a lot of exercise. They essentially were exercising for most of the day, every day. Yeah, that's so that's amazing. The only, yeah, that was the only intervention that happened. They went on and went about their duties, and four weeks later, the researchers came back and they did a number of repeat measures on these housekeepers. So they, they did take some baseline health measurements. And what they found was that this group of housekeepers who had been told that they were doing this exercise that was benefiting their health had lost weight and had lower blood pressure, among other health measures. They, they were more positive and they scored higher on measures of happiness. Um, so once they viewed this work as an opportunity to exercise, it really had more of a physical impact on them. So think about that. Once they viewed it, once their mm -hmm. mind thought that they were exercising and doing good things for their body, their body responded with less, uh, with losing weight and lowering their blood pressure. Well, I wonder, you know, you know, we, we talk about this term neuro, neuroplasticity, which is like my my favorite word this year. Um, and basically, we think what we think actually structurally changes our brains. And so, you know, that's a good example. You know, to me, it speaks to so many things. But, you know, obviously, if their blood pressure is lower, they're less stressed. Um, maybe their perception was they weren't exercising. And then when they realized that they were, I mean, they probably felt a whole lot better about themselves. Yeah. Um, you look at any of those manual labor jobs, um, and, and housekeeping is absolutely one of them. Um, and, and people are, are working hard throughout the day. So I think that's amazing. Yeah. And I know we had sort of talked about just talking about one study, but I was so fascinated about this that I kept reading. And mm -hmm. 
the researchers were blown away by this. This was a study that was done um, in the early 2000s. So they wanted to replicate this in a different way to make sure that it just wasn't something sort of random. So they used, uh, they used the student population for this next study. And they brought students in and they fed these college students milkshakes. Like, you know, sign me up for that one when I'm uh, hungry, poor college students. Mm-hmm. Um, so they had the, uh, this first group of students was given a low-fat milkshake. And before they consumed the milkshake, they measured ghrelin, which is the hormone that signals the body to eat. It indicates mm-hmm. that the body is hungry. And after the students consumed this milkshake, this low-fat milkshake, their ghrelin levels dropped, but only slightly. So their body was signaling them that they had taken in some food um, and that they were you know, getting full. So they went on their way. And then uh, a few weeks later, they brought the students back in and told them that they were being fed a full-fat milkshake. And it, it looked different than the previous one. It looked as if it were truly a full-fat milkshake. And they consumed the milkshake and they found that their ghrelin levels dropped significantly more than with the first low-fat milkshake. So this signaled, again, that the body was full. Now, the interesting twist to the story is that both of the milkshakes were actually low-fat milkshakes. So the only variable that changed was what they were told about how much fat there was in the milkshake. And then their body responded in the form of ghrelin being suppressed more when they were told that it was a full-fat milkshake than in the previous low-fat scenario. So that was the only thing that changed, and it actually affected their hormones. That's amazing. Yeah, I get pretty excited about that. (laughs) <laughs> and it's funny how, you know, for, for those of us that are working in this, you know, environment, I love being able to tie in, you know, the actual hormonal adaption that's going on. So, you know, leptin and ghrelin are two hormones that impact satiety, so fullness, as well as impact appetite. And if they're out of balance, mm-hmm. um, that could be hugely detrimental. So to recognize that they were actually measuring one of these hormones, which helped demonstrate, you know, scientifically what was going on or to support scientifically what was going on, um, I think is really invaluable. Yeah, absolutely. So we know that science is good and it's cool to listen to these studies, but here on Everyday Wellness is good and it's cool to listen to these studies, but here on Everyday Wellness, we every day to increase your wellness. So now we want to talk about some ways to cultivate a healthy mindset. And the first way is really to be kind to yourself. So um, I have clients who think that if they're hard on themselves, then if they aren't hard on themselves, then they'll end up like depressed and eating Twinkies on the couch all day. But actually, this couldn't be further from the truth. When we are compassionate with ourselves, we want to do more of those things that make us feel better. We want to do things that take care of our bodies, like eating healthy foods and moving our bodies. But it's it's often so ingrained that we need to be kind of hypercritical of ourselves that it's hard to make that switch. Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting. I, I think, you know, the practice of being kind to yourself is something we're all constantly working on. Um, I certainly have days, I mean, generally, I'm a very optimistic, realistic person, but I have days where 
nothing is going the way I want it to. <laughs> um, and I have to just, you know, kind of take a deep breath and and practice some self care. And, and those are strategies that I work in with my clients. I mean, a lot of the women I work with are, are intrinsically very positive people. But I definitely have a couple that are more prone to, you know, kind of seeing the the pessimistic side of everything. And so we always try to turn it around that, you know, some of the strategies that we work on together are really about um, getting them focused on another way to look at the situation so that they're not feeling like they're beating themselves up, even if they look okay on the outside. I know internally, they're beating themselves up. A lot of it's the the terminology or language that they use the internal speak that they have with themselves can be, you know, sometimes more profoundly detrimental than things that they say out loud. So yeah, um, I absolutely agree. And it's something I think that um, you know, even the most educated um, people really struggle with. I think, you know, it goes back to things that we've kind of touched on in other podcasts, but influence of, you know, social media can be beneficial or detrimental, depending on how um, secure people are feeling with, you know, whatever it is that's bothering them. So absolutely, I, my clients deal with this frequently as well. Yeah, definitely. And I think along with that, we can talk about getting rid of the negative self-talk so in cognitive behavioral therapy, in my psychology world, we call these things cognitive distortions. So basically, we all have negative thought patterns that come up based on what we're exposed to in our early childhood years, based on social media, based on what culture tells us. But some of the most common that we do are catastrophizing, meaning mm-hmm. in immediately going to that worst case scenario. And we can all, I'm sure, think of times when that's happened to us or we've seen others do that. Using a lot of must or should in your daily conversation. I mean, this is really just another way of of beating yourself up when you use must and should reflected at yourself. And then the fourth fairly common type of cognitive distortion is all or nothing thinking or often referred to as black or white thinking when you don't see that things can be any sort of way in the middle. It's either you're at the gym exercising six days a week or why bother? I'll just be at home. So these types of thinking really are detrimental to our mindset. Absolutely. And I I think that you know, one of one of my favorite Kellyisms that I've heard her say more than once is talking about you know taking responsibility for actions that you've you've under you've decided to take upon yourself. And as you say, it's not all um, flowers and unicorns. And I I love that kind of um, that kind of mindset you know piece because just acknowledging that you know we're the, we live perfectly imperfect lives. We're not mm. designed to be perfect, and you know even the best of us that do a really good job with communication, we can sometimes say things that'll come out just completely the opposite of where they were intended, or we sometimes say things that we shouldn't say. Um, and just, you know, taking responsibility for your actions can be really helpful. And then another strategy that we've talked a little bit about in the past as well is finding meaning and purpose in your life or job. When you know your why for doing things, when you know why you should be eating healthy or why you want to eat healthy, don't want to use should there, but why you want to eat healthy, um, then that's going to really help your mindset shift so that you're looking forward to eating healthy and going to the gym. When you have meaning around the things that you do, the things that you do become easier to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's amazing how that kind of works. You know, it's, 
It's why I always try to explain, you know, recommendations that I make for my clients. I'm not just telling you this because I want you to suffer and not eat foods that you want to eat. It's just there's <laughs> actual reasoning behind this that will make you feel a whole lot better. Um, the best example I can give, um, you know, most recently I have most of my clients do elimination diets and they're all personalized based on um, food sensitivity testing. And I have one client who was so honest. I mean, I respected and admired her so much. I mean, she really, really struggled with, you know, some of her favorite foods were on there. How am I going to eat? How am I going to go to work? How am I supposed to adapt to, um, you know, the suggestions that you're making? And and I said to her, I said, let's reflect back on um, why you came to me to begin with. You know, mm-hmm. what were you concerned about? Let's think about what your goals were at that time. And sometimes helping them, you know, take responsibility for, um, you know, the actions that they're doing. She was she was undermining her success is essentially what she mm-hmm. was doing. And, and we had to kind of get her back on track um, and do it in a very non-judgmental way, because I think that it's very easy for those of us that are in, you know, helping or serving environments, whether they're a healthcare provider or um, we're a psychologist or, or whatever our title is. Um, you know, it was not at all unusual for me when I worked in Western medicine to see healthcare providers getting very judgmental, sometimes out of frustration, not because they were trying to be bad people, but just acknowledging sometimes you've got to see it from their perspective and just trying to be gentle, you know, sometimes explaining the why Mm -hmm. um, and the how can be really, really profoundly transformative. Yeah. And I think as you're seeing the why and as you're thinking about meaning and purpose, it's important to do the next step, which is to see and practice being positive. I think that that fits into the why, because usually your why is something positive, Mm. something that you want in your life. But being positive doesn't mean that you're refusing to see the reality of things and Mm -hmm. to see and experience the negative aspects of life. But it does mean that you're choosing, you're consciously choosing to extract the good from every situation And then when given a choice, you focus on the positive. So you provided a great example of this um, in an earlier podcast when we were talking about balance and we were talking about how you had recently gone through um, an an issue with your son where he had a medical situation and that he was very positive through all of this. So, you know, it's terrible when any of our children are hurt and injured. That's just one of the worst things to deal with as a parent, but yet you were able to extract good from that. You were able to say, I'm, I'm so impressed that he was able to go through this. And I'm excited because we, as terrible as it is, we still were, we were able to spend some quality time together Mm -hmm. and I was able to be there with him. Absolutely. Well, you know, I think we all do better when, you know, we can try to find the good in a situation, even if it's not ideally what we would have wanted for a loved one or someone that we care about for sure. Right, exactly. And along with this is gratitude. So we, there's a lot of information out there about gratitude. And I think it's given lip service often. But I I think that the research is there to back up just how powerful being grateful for what we do have can, how powerful that is, and what an impact it can really have on our health. Yeah, you know, it's interesting when I start the one of the very first things I do when someone signs on and has a package with me is I send them a gratitude journal. Um, and it's interesting, the people that get it, they are always so appreciative. They're like, this is fantastic. I can put this next to my bed, I can write down three things I'm grateful for every day. 
and you know it's not the substance it's not the big things it's the little stuff like today it's not raining or <laughs> right. you know i woke up without a headache i mean it, little things but they're so profoundly transformative but i think gratitude is absolutely one of the most powerful um ways to kind of practice you know mindfulness and mm-hmm. um you know connection with your your inner self and and i think that you know when you can connect or identify things you're grateful for it just it keeps you much more grounded i think that you know, I live in an area where people sometimes, um, and it's not unique to where I live, it's probably throughout the United States, but certainly places where people sometimes get um, allured into um, focusing on material things that, um, you know, frankly, many of them can't afford, but that's a whole other, that's a whole other show. Um, But I think when people really get centered and are grateful for substantive things, um, they're going to be much happier, you know, you're never going to be happy with stuff. I mean, that people can have an endless well of stuff that they keep buying from themselves to fill a void. Um, But if you're truly grateful for the things that you do have in your life, it's amazing how transformative that can be. Yes. And I think when you're grateful, it sort of rolls into our next strategy, which is giving back. So when, when you're feeling grateful for what you have, you have more desire to give back. And giving back can be formal as a volunteer in your community or your child's school or it can be just random acts of kindness. I mean, smiling at someone on the street instead of looking away or looking down can be really important for you and for the other person. So I think, you know, all of these things that we're talking about are little things, but over time and when compiled together, they really add up to thinking about ourselves and the world in a different way, which essentially is our mindset. And along with that, I think that the people with whom we surround ourselves and the environments that we live in are really crucial to our mindset. I know that even if I'm not able to interact with a lot of people on a certain day or people who fuel and feed my healthy, positive outlook on life, I will listen to podcast. Sean Croxton's quote of the day podcast is on my playlist every single day. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll listen to things like that, that will put me in touch with the support and the other messages and the, the other people who believe that there's a positive spin on things. Absolutely. You know, I think that, you know, we were talking about this before we jumped on today that, you know, the the people that we spend the most time with are the ones that have the greatest influence on how we feel about how we view ourselves, how we view the world. Um, and for me, you know, my husband, I'm embarrassed to say this, he's in his 40s, but he never listened to podcasts until fairly recently. And he kind of wasn't really sure about the concept. And I said, well, if you have to be in your car, mm-hmm. you might as well be learning something, exactly. or you might as well be doing something that's stimulating your brain. That was kind of how I initially got invested in doing them. Um, but yeah, they're definitely favorites. I mean, the other thing we were talking about with podcasts um, was that sometimes they're really long. And so for me mm-hmm. to have the attention span uh, of, you know, more than 30 minutes, it has to be really, really, really good content. And there's only a few that I'll listen to beyond that. So listeners be aware, we are very time <laughs> sensitive, we will always make sure that we are um, focused on maximizing the time that we have um, with you listening to us, we will not, um, we will not take advantage of, of, you know, trying to take an hour of your day away from you. And our final strategy is living in the present moment. 
So in psychology, we learn that the past, focusing on the past, is where depression arises. And focusing too much on the future is where anxiety arises. So the present moment is really the only thing that is real and the only thing that we know for sure. And when you're able to do that, when the depression and the anxiety fall away, you're left in more peace and health. Now, we're going to end with those strategies for today. And I wanted to end with a quote from Henry Ford. This is one of my favorites, and it really typifies how our mindset can work for us. So he said, whether the whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. So your mindset really sets you up for how you're going to live your day and your life. I love that. You know, it's funny. My mom um, just retired from, she oversaw that whole medical system in Michigan. So I, I feel like I've been very Henry Forded, fortified over the last several years, um, kind of a prolific thinker, you know, way ahead of his time. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. So really, our take home message for you is that mindset matters. It matters for your health, for your finances, for your relationships. And we hope that you can take even one or two of these tips that we've provided today and start implementing them in your life. And then reach out to Cynthia or me. Links are below. And let us know how it's out to Cynthia or me. Links are below. And let us know how it's going for you. Thank you so much for joining us. You can find out more about Cynthia and her work at chtwellness.com. And you can find out more about Kelly and her work at everydaytherapist.com. In addition, if you have questions for us or topics you'd like us to address, please email us at everydaywellnesspodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, be well.